So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 3, where Jesus said these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men and women. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Please come and bring God's word to us. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's, that's really the heart of what we're talking about today. Um, this is the last in a series of ten. Put that down. Um, today we're talking about we believe in transforming and being transformed. And what I believe that's about is that, that we let our our light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father God. You know, our job as church leaders is to build up and encourage the church and to do as Jesus, so that the church can do as Jesus sent us out to do, to change the world. Not to come and meet on a Sunday, but to go out there and change the world. If church and our Christian faith is all about the Sunday meeting you go to, then we as church leaders have failed. We've failed to do the thing that we're called to do. And we will be judged on judgment day when we go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. It's a bit scary, don't you think? For us, anyway. But it's a privilege, too. It's a privilege when we see people grow in faith. And they take those little steps that we see their faith grow. And they grow into men and women of God. And we see God work. And that's just a huge, huge privilege to see. 
So yeah, it's scary on one side, but it's a massive privilege on another. I think, you know, the Beatitudes and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's a vision of a world where people care, where people support one another, where people love one another. And that's what we want, isn't it? Isn't that what we want the world to be like? And, and it's very easy for us, actually, and it's actually, it's not, not just easy, not the right word. It feels more comfortable to be just with your Christian friends. Yeah? Because you know you can trust them, generally. And you know that they've got very similar values to you. But when you get out there, it's not like that, is it? And, and yet, that's what we're called to do. We're called to get out there. And we want that world to change. And the only way that is going to change is if we get out there and do something. Now this is the last in a series of ten. All those ten messages come together to create what we believe church is all about. What we believe building up the church and encouraging you and building you and me to get out there and be the church. It's not The church is not a building. The church is not something you go to on a Sunday or a meeting you might go to midweek. The church is you and me. And in order to do that, we need the church family to support us. We can't do it on our own. It has to be together. It has to be together. If we try and do it on our own, we fall flat. If we try and do it without God, we fall even more flat. Yeah? We need the church family, and that's what all those nine values are about. Getting the church family got good foundations, and it's going to work from then. It's good work. So it's so important that maybe you've, you've heard all these messages. If you haven't heard those messages, you can get them on the internet. Um, they're on our website. You can go through and read them. I would really recommend. I missed the one on giving um, a few weeks back. And, uh, and I went online, pressed the listen to, and, uh, and listened to that. I was really blessed because it was full of love, full of grace. Full of, it wasn't telling you to give more money to the church. It was saying, you know, let God speak to you. Let God speak to you. And, and God will do that. I commend those talks to you, please, if you've not heard them. And that builds then a solid foundation to build church from. So we need to live out those values that we believe in. We've, every single one has been we believe in something. You know, the other week Roger did learning. One week we did worshipping, we did um, supporting, we've done lots. This morning I got everybody to, to, uh, to try and remember them all. We got there, we got there, it was good. I thought it was good. You know, I've been in a few schools over, uh, in the last couple of years and I've noticed something that they seem to be doing. They seem to be doing this thing about rights. You know, it's something the world talks about. Um, it's my right. It's my right for this. It's my right for that. What I was really blessed at in this one school I, I went into, they also, next to the rights, were responsibilities. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've got a right for something, but along with that right is a responsibility to actually be 
you know, have an attitude or, a, or whatever, whatever it is. And that's the same for us. We have responsibilities. Not as law, you don't have to go out and do it, but rather because we see that it works better that way. We believe it and therefore we do it. You know, it's something that people say that you can tell what people believe in by what they do. Yeah? So, you know, you see people and you see people spend all their time on Facebook or on the phone or, or you know, and that's actually a really massive thing at the moment, getting people off these things. They're spending hours and hours on them. You know, and it's kind of like, well, what's most important to you? Well, you, you, you know, by what you do. Fascinating. Fascinating. So in those responsibilities, like in the, uh, in, in the Beatitudes, we have to think about how we respond to things, how we deal with things, how, what our attitudes are like. How do we respond when we mess up? Do we blame Seems to be a very normal thing in the culture at the moment. It's, oh, it's their fault. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's the government's fault. Well, yeah, no, I might be right there. <laughs> but it's not fair, is it? It's always someone else's fault. How do we respond when we mess up? Like when Roger picked me up the other week, I was in Cafe Church and I said, Welcome, Dorchester Family Church. <laughs> and you know, and you kind of go, Oh. And how do you deal with that, you know? How do you deal with those situations? Hopefully you deal with it in a, yeah, you know what, I made a mistake. I say sorry. Sorry, I mean, it stuns me. Sorry is a word that is just not used so often. I meet so many people who cannot say sorry. But certainly, you know, in the work life and things, you don't meet people who say sorry very often. They're different. Um... So often, so God transforms us first, our attitudes. I loved, I love the, the the beatitudes. He's talking about the meek. I haven't got it here. Um, the meek, those who search for righteousness, those you know, you know, those are the people who are the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's great, isn't it? Because you know, I'm not strong. Are you strong? Are you an amazing person? Well, yes, of course you are. Before God, He loves you for who you are. But do you feel like an amazing person? No, perhaps not. And that's okay, because that's God's called you as you are, and he's made you as you are. He wants you to, uh, to just be you. And he transforms us as we learn and we can do, do things. So... As we move on, do you want to turn to Matthew chapter 4? It's only one thing, I'll read it out. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And you know what, in, in many of the other verses, it's a, it, 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 Jesus uses that phrase so many times in the Gospels. In, in Matthew alone, that whole thing about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is, is written 34 times. I believe 
You know, there's, there's lots of kind of theology around the kingdom of God. I think, I, the way I see it is the kingdom of God, what the church is for, and we've been talking about what the church is for so far, what the church is for is to equip the saints, to equip us in order to get out there and build the kingdom of God. There's a thing in there about the kingdom of God is, is, can be here now, but it's also not here. Because it never comes in its fullness until Jesus comes back. And that's when the kingdom is here, if you like. Put it in big capital letters. But actually, I believe when God's work is being done, the kingdom of God is near. And that's what Jesus is talking about. So when he says to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is near, because something's going to happen right now. He's going to, something's going to happen. God's work is going to be done. So the kingdom of God is near. And that is what we're called to do. That is what it's all about. But what matters, isn't it? What matters is how do we bring that kingdom to here and now? How do we change the world? Well, I might suggest you do change it one yes at a time. That's the phrase. One yes at a time. It says, back to the Beatitudes. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We, as the Christians, are the salt. If we're not doing what we should be doing, we're not salty anymore. We're just worthless. We may, might as well be trampled underfoot. But we're not worthless because we are God wherever we go. God, when we, when, we, when we give our lives to God, he puts a deposit inside us and he is in us. So wherever we go, God is there. So we never lose our saltiness. But the point gets across. Do you see what I mean? We are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So important. We need to get out there. It's what it's telling us to do. Maybe you'd prefer... A Galatians verse. When Paul talks about, so if you want to change, if if you've got your Bibles there, go to Galatians 2 verse 20. Because Paul takes it deeper. Paul says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. That's 19, sorry. And then we go into 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul takes it a whole step further than what we've been talking about. He's saying, well, I'm not me anymore. It's Christ in me that's doing all these things. Yeah? And that's where we need to get to. And I think that is our journey in many ways. That our journey of life, 
once we become Christians, is to get to the point where it's no longer us, it's only Christ that is doing the things we're doing. And that then changes our motivations, what our needs are, the whole thing, the way we work, everything changes. If we can get to that point, I think it's a long journey. Um, There's a phrase, isn't there, putting off the old man. Um, I know my son keeps calling me the old man, so (laughs) I think it's still there, sadly. (laughs) I think it's still there. You know, we are the light of the world. Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? Or do you just feel kind of a bit shriveled up? It's all hard. And obviously at this point in time, there's all this stuff being thrown at us. And we kind of shrivel up and actually we're being forced, some of us, to stay at home and not get out there. So please don't think I'm telling you to get out. I'm thinking beyond coronavirus. I'm thinking of the way we live our lives for the future. Um, You know, it sounds impossible, doesn't it, that we can change the world. As I said before, you can change the world, but it's one yes at a time. And what I mean by that is, one yes to God. All of us are passionate about something. All of us are passionate about something. God put that passion in you. And I think, you know, we, we, the, I came across this thing during the week. I was having a coffee with um, David Holman and he gets the daily readings from Tearfund on his email every day. And he was saying, you know what? This one was fantastic today. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So he was telling me all about it. And I was going, oh, that fits in really well with what I'm thinking about for, for talking about. Let me read it to you. In my experience, Christians can get a little too obsessed over the idea of calling. The idea of calling. What, what, you know what that means. Yeah, about being called by God to do something. Yeah? We can drive ourselves to distraction by constantly wondering what God's purpose is for our lives. Perhaps, and there's another more helpful question you can ask yourself. What makes your soul sing? And that just kind of was, as David read it out to me, I was just kind of like, wow, that is a fantastic phrase. What makes your soul sing? Because what makes your soul sing, what makes you passionate about something, is what God put inside you. That's why you're passionate about it. And that's probably part of what he wants you to be doing. Most likely. What I've found over the years in all the different things we've done, and we've done quite a lot of different things, is that he never takes you into something you didn't already know something about. But he generally takes you into something you already knew about, but you didn't know it was God. And that's the difference. This morning I was talking about, um, we went to a big Bible conference and we, uh, this is me and my wife and, and my two kids at the time. Um, we, we later adopted, and, uh, but we, we were with the two kids and it was the last night. And the last night in a lot of Bible conferences, they have a giving thing. So to give towards the conference, to give towards the work that the bigger organisation is doing, whatever. 
so they were talking about a gift day. And um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, up until that point in my Christian walk, I gave, but I was a bit, no, a lot, begrudging. You know, it's kind of like, I know I should give money to God. And I do it, because I should. But it wasn't my heart, it wasn't a joyful heart. David talked about a joyful heart. It wasn't a joyful heart. At this point, we're in this big auditorium. There's thousands of people. Everyone's praising God. They're asking for money. And I just a little small voice speaking to me. You need to give this amount of money. I'm like, that's outrageous. <laughs> and, um, and you're just kind of like, well, okay. And you, you know when you know. I, I've talked about that before. You know when you know. You know your heart's going. God's speaking to you. There's something going on. You, you know it's not just you. It's it's more than you. And you need to do something about it. Now Tori was halfway across the auditorium, so I had to go and find her. And um, so I went across, and I said, and she, I said, you know, I, I think God's saying we need to give something. She said, yeah, and she gave a figure. And I said. Yeah, I agree, but he's, t- he's saying to me we need to do that each. And she's going, no way. And she said, we haven't got that kind of money. And she was right. But what we did know was that I, was, I, had, I had a good job at the time. We would have been able to pay that, you know, could have used our overdraft and could have pay, paid the money off. It wasn't like it was a disaster sort of amount of money. But it, it was a step. It was something we did. So... So we went, okay, fair enough. We, we didn't have a checkbook, we didn't have credit cards with us or anything like that, we're camping. So we kind of be careful about security and all that kind of stuff. Didn't have anything like that with us, um, especially right there and then. So, um, so we wrote a little, they, they, they facilitated this, they gave you bits of paper, you could write a promise on it. So we gave them a promise for this amount of money that we knew that it would take us months to pay off, but we felt that was the right thing to do. Now, what I, did, what I want to say is, I don't think God, you know, I don't think giving that, a large amount of money away is going to bend God's heart or point him towards you or any of those kind of things. If God asks you to do something, it's more about obedience. So in this case, it was about us obeying him. It wasn't about money or anything like that. It was about us obeying him. And that's key to what we're talking about today. So we obeyed him. And we got home, and we wrote a cheque, and, and uh, it was Monday morning, Tori says, you better sign this before you go to work. So I signed it, I got in the car, and I drove down the, ro- down the road, we lived in, um, out, just outside Blanford, um, roads are tiny, um, so I'm heading off to work, I used to work in Bournemouth, uh, I'm going down the little roads, came round this corner, and there's a bus filling the whole road in front of me. I'm thinking, oh, okay, so what do I do now? Hit the brake. And, and the road was wet and it was just outside a farm, actually our friend's farm. Uh, the car just span and I just span around quite nicely really and hit the bus side on, smack, uh, rode the car off. And my friend, the farmer, came and got his money too and lifted my car off the road and moved it out of the way so that the bus could get off the road and do all of that kind of stuff. And I went to hospital because I'd hit the bus with my elbow. And I had 19 stitches down, down this arm. But all it was was a bit of blood and a bit of flesh. You know, I'd done, not really done much damage and it was, it was fine. So four hours later we get back home and Tori says, so are you going to put that cheque in the post then? 
and, and you know, going through my mind is, well, how are we going to buy a car? You know, all of that kind of stuff. We've now got to buy a car. We're, we're already committed to using our overdraft. So, you know, what are we going to do? And I just, I, you know, I just said, you know, we've made a promise to God. We need to, we need to honour that. We need to do it. Um, so we did. And, uh, and we got through the finding another car and all those kind of things. What I wanted to say was, though, that one yes to God started off a whole load of stuff of God working in our lives. That one step of giving when I knew it was him. And, and that's hard to figure out, isn't it? You don't always know when God's speaking. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Um, but that one yes started off the whole process of us getting into adoption, moving abroad, doing a whole, whole lot of things. And, it, and we can trace it back as we, as we look back at how God has worked in our lives. It goes back to that one day. Of writing that check and sticking it in the post. And I want to say to you, take that chance. If God speaks to you and says, you know, it's time to do something, to step out. He won't ask you to do, he normally asks you to do something you can do. It's very rare he's going to ask you to do something that's way out there, you'd never even thought of, you'd never even done before. It does happen, but it's rare. It's usually when there's something you already have a heart for. What makes your soul sing? You might be thinking, well, I'm not like you. I'm not worth anything. Yes, you are. You're worth absolutely everything. You're worth dying for. You're worth dying on the cross for. Whatever you do, whatever is, is right for you, whatever's in your heart, you know, whatever your capacity to step out for God... You're worth more than anything to Jesus. Don't listen to that small voice of doubt that's going round in your head or in your heart. Listen to the big voice of the Bible who says you are worthy. It says you are my sons and heirs. You are my brothers and sisters. You are adopted into my family. You know, Tori and I got into adoption um, way back, way back now, um, 17, 18, yeah, 17, 18 years ago. And that's because God had put it on our hearts from a very, very early time, even before we got together. That's what our passion is. And that's why you see us, and people say, you're completely mad, and you're absolutely right. We are, for God. Yeah, it's worth it. It is worth it. There's a lot of pain. There is a lot of pain when you step out for God. But there's a huge blessing. Huge blessing. I wouldn't want our lives to be any different to what it is. It's just amazing. Sometimes in the thick of it, I would. Sometimes I'd go, oh, no, not again. You know what? We are the body of Christ. That's what it says in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says we are the body of Christ. So it doesn't matter if you can't get out there and do those amazing things that we think are amazing. It's only because we think that. We need the team. We need the church to be working well. We need it, us all to be working together to enable that to happen, to support it. When we went out to Cambodia, um, we recently moved churches. We moved from a church in Blanford to a church in Weymouth. And, um, and, and the church leader of the church in Blanford 
when he realised that we were being called to Cambodia, he said, ah, that's why. Because the church in Wentworth was that much bigger. They could support us going out to, to another country. And those people were just amazingly faithful in supporting us for our four years that we worked out in Cambodia. Just incredible. And we were so blessed in that. Um, you know, but it might be that you can do the teas and coffees for, for the toddler along on a Monday morning. That's just as important. Because those young mums coming in probably don't know anything about church. We were stunned the other week in, in Cafe Church. We were talking about a particular book in the Bible. Um, uh, it was, I think it was Philippians. And, uh, and someone there said, Oh, so it's actually a place. You know, and you just kind of... We, you know, For us who've lived, you know, walking... Uh, the, the walk that we do and have read, read the Bible and stuff like that, we just think, well, that's obvious, isn't it? Well, clearly it isn't. And we have to remember that. You know, we're, we're a family. We're not an organisation. We're not an organisation. We're not a building. We're just a family. And we're all oddballs. So I'm, I'm an oddball. I know I'm an oddball. I talk to, uh, to my son um, and, I, and I say to him, oh, strange little man. Because he'll do something daft or whatever, and he, he knows I'm just joking him. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being horrible to him. Um, it's actually a quote from one of his favourite films, Toy Story, where one of the characters says to another one, "Oh, you strange little man." So I say it to him, and he looks at me and he laughs. But we also talk about the fact that we're all a bit strange, you know, we're all a bit odd, really, if you're honest with yourself, and and that's okay. Because God made you that way. And that's absolutely fine. That's what we want. We're a family. We work together. You know, families, what's so important about families and what, we, and what we've learned through adoption and stuff like that. It, we learn to love in families. You know, our society create, is, is, um, is steadily pulling families apart. Our society is making people isolated. Society is making people focus on self and not on together. And yet, our Bible, and what we believe in, our core values are all about family. It's fascinating, isn't it? If we, as, as church family, don't get out there and show what that works like, but the love that there is, the support that there is without it, without it who's going to teach society for the next generation. Because it certainly isn't being taught out there. We need to do that. Together, we can do it. Not on our own. As a church, when I'm talking about the people. And it isn't you kind of doing something you never thought about. It's what makes your soul sing. Because God put that inside you. I don't know whether any of you have watched the film The Two Popes. Have you seen the film Two Popes? It's worth watching. Fantastic. Um, you might not be interested in the Roman Catholic Church at all. You might think it's um, a bit weird. Well, yeah, well, we're a bit weird to them. Yeah? Um, <clears throat> but you don't have to take that on board. The story is lovely about a particular Pope who was a bit doer to be honest, in, in the story. He's a bit dour, 
uh, and he he actually has a he, he seems in the story it seems he has a crisis of faith. He's pope, and he says, "You know what? I need to retire." Because he realises that he's, he actually says in, at one point he says, "I don't hear God speaking to me anymore." And as a pope, that you know you just, that cannot be, you know. So he, he and he's talking to. Um, the guy who he won from. So there's two, two of them neck and neck in the, you know, when they have the, the, the black smoke and the, red, and the white smoke is when, when, they, when they do the votes. Have you seen that, seen that on the TV? Yeah. Um, you've got the black smoke and the white smoke, and I can't remember which is where. Right? Yeah, the, the white smoke is the one they've actually got a vote, isn't it? So they keep voting, and it's neck and neck against these two people, and the more doer one, Gets in a folk. And he's the one, as the story goes on, it comes, he says, well, you know, I don't feel God speaking to me anymore. I need to, I need to step down. I need to. And he's talking to this other guy because he's saying, Well, you're going to get in. And the other guy's actually wanting to retire at the same time. But what's lovely is they have this conversation. He says, and he says Well, it's all right for you. You're really popular. This is the, the doer pope. And the, and the cardinal from Brazil or somewhere, some South African country, I can't remember which one. And, um, and the guy says, he says oh, you know, you're, it's all right for you, you're really popular, you'll get in this time. And the other guy's all the time trying to get him to sign his reg- resignation. And um, the, the cardinal says, I just try and be myself. And again, that's one of those moments where you just go, yeah, actually, that's what it's all about. That's all you can be. That's all you can be. And that's all God wants you to be. And when you're yourself, and when you're living in yourself rather than the masks and everything that we put out and, and, and the things we try to show people to be, when we become ourselves, then God comes back out, as it were. Because it, it's God coming out of you. So just be yourself. My challenge for you this week is to spend a little bit of time thinking about what you do and, what you, and how... So if you look at your, your week as you work your way through it, what things in there are for God? Now you may say, well actually most of it is just living. Fine, I'm sure God doesn't mind you just living. Yeah? But there will be times where you, maybe not Facebook here, but maybe, I don't know, you sit in front of the football. I know Roger does. It might be, you know, it could be anything, whatever it is. You, you, you do these things that take up all your time. And I'm just as bad. For me, I get into mystery novels. And I hide in them. I do. So when I'm, when I'm kind of, the world has got a bit crazy and my head's buzzing, I will go and find a novel and a quiet space and hide in my novel. And I know that I'm hiding. And my wife knows that I'm hiding. And there's times when she lets me hide. And there's times when she goes, Glenn, you need to get on with what you're supposed to be getting on with. And that's right and good. So what I'm asking you to do is to do the same thing. To sit down and go, what do I waste my time doing? You know, what are the things that I'm doing for God? Not to beat yourself up, but be proactive at seeing the world transformed by your actions. One yes at a time. That's all that matters. Does that seem reasonable? Could you give me a, give a go at that? Feel free to talk to me about it. I'd love to hear.
and then do it. Thank you, Glenn. It's all very well, Glenn, saying about Roger watching his football. There's no football on at the moment, is there, for the next three weeks? What am I going to do? Now, Glenn's going to say, well, you're going to know what you've got to do. You can listen to my sermon and put it into practice. I've got nowhere to hide now. Thank you ever so much, Glenn, for bringing God's word to us. Wow, what a challenge, this whole thing of being transformed. The God who started a a good work in you, who promises to carry it out to completion. So he was the one that started that transformation. But now we are to be his transformational agents out there. What can I do? How can I do that? Poor little me, woe is me. But Glyn emphasised that sense of value that each of us have got in the eyes of God. Even the likes of Jeremiah said, but I'm only a... No, 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 don't say I am only. I wonder what you would say to God, you know, but I'm only such and such. Or I can only do this or... No, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God, is there? Immense value. Glyn used a phrase, he said, you're worth dying on the cross for. What's all that about? My mind immediately went back to when I was in my late teens, when a guy that I was at school uh, with said, don't you realise that Jesus died for you? I said, no. I had no idea what he was talking about. One of the the phrases that Glyn used um, this morning, and and I said uh, this morning, actually it came up yesterday in a different context, in Cafe Church, uh, was a quote by uh, by Bob Gildolf, Gildolf over um, Live Aid, but I think it was in 1984, uh, Live Aid. I'm sure somebody will send me an email if I got that wrong. But there was that, that big Feed the World campaign, all the millions that were dying uh, then from starvation in, in Ethiopia. Uh, and he said these words, he said, you know, we can only change the world if we're first willing to change ourselves. I thought, wow, that's a brilliant statement that's a whole a transformation mindset isn't it what was sad was that he then added these words he said the only trouble is we don't know how of course bob geldof was coming from a, a non-christian perspective well-meaning though he was and fantastic work that he did from a humanitarian perspective we do know how that change is possible And it starts where the Jesus bit fits in. This God who so loved us that he gave us his son. That place that we get brought to that says, God, I I can't ever reach you. I'm never going to be good enough. Would you forgive me for everything that I have done? I believe that this Jesus was punished in my place. So instead of me being punished for all that stuff that I've done wrong, He took it upon himself. And it's down to us whether or not we accept that or not. The moment we trust him with our everything, that's the moment when God then comes in by his spirit. That's what God's word teaches. And it's at that moment that that genuine change is able to begin in us and then that kind of working out from there. Maybe for some of you, you could go back in your minds to that moment where you first surrendered yourself to Jesus. 
And you knew instantly. Glenn spoke of knowing instantly when God had spoken to him in a very unfortunate way about this is the figure that you're going to give. And he's thinking, oh, I don't want to give that much. That's almost an added confirmation that it was God, isn't it? That sense of a tug of war. Well, I don't want to do that, but knowing that there's this voice coming and coming again. But that God who starts that work then is the God then that seeks to transform us from that moment onwards. Maybe you can think of an immediate transformation way back when you became a Christian. But we're not there yet, are we? We didn't become perfect overnight. There's still that ongoing work that God is wanting to do in us and through us. And in case we think that it's all too big, and it's likely to get even bigger when we think of what's going on in our world right now. As an encouragement, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he said this, that he who there is... Uh, that we could to commit ourselves to he who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I'm looking at Jill because she was actually saying it with me there, which was quite a nice little moment we were sharing there, Jill, wasn't it? But that's what it's all about. If we're seeking to do all this stuff in our own strength, we're not going to get very far. Glenn and I was uh, were just saying just before you arrived, I said, how are you feeling about tonight then, Glenn? He said, oh, of course, he was doing this stuff this morning. So I've had, had uh, this little boy that he had all, all afternoon. I said, it's a bit, bit kind of anxious, but be okay when we get going. But he then added, you know, it's actually okay to feel a bit anxious. Why is that? Because it throws us back on the one who is able to do immeasurably more. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you'd help us to be the change, as Glenn has challenged us about. To give you thanks for that which you've already transformed in our lives, but to be open to you doing yet more in us and through us. And even more so in these days, when the pressure is on. And where people are increasingly filled with fear about what's ahead. Would you help us to remain connected with you. And strong in you and trusting in you and not letting go of you. Believing that there's a transformational work that you're wanting to do in us and through us. That will impact the people in our home the people in our road, the people in our communities and beyond and indeed our nation as your people make a stand for you. Count me in. God, I want to be one of those people that say, I want to be the change in your precious name. Amen.